This is an ABC podcast. I think of it as an actual sickness because it's nausea, throwing up, insomnia, the anxiety. When you're really heartbroken, you just want to know why, why they did it. It's a feeling of being a baby animal. You carry on, but somewhere inside you, you're just unable to really face the world, I can say. You know, I carried around a blanket for weeks and weeks. Like, just that heavy feeling. And for me, yeah, I was really put off by food and struggling to eat. Have you truly lived and loved if you haven't had your heart broken at least once? I fell to the floor. I couldn't stand up anymore. I just fell on the ground and was just crying, crying, crying. Heartbreak is a way of describing the feeling of the deep, heartfelt wound we feel when we're romantically rejected. And it's one of the byproducts of taking a huge risk on love. It's the peril we put ourselves in every time we dangle our hearts out there and ask, love me, love me back. But while the risk is something we're expected to take if we're seeking a mate or even just a bit of casual loving, the high cost when it doesn't pay off, that devastated near-death experience of having your heart broken, is something we don't actually talk about in any real depth. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about heartbreak. The language we default to when we talk about heartbreak, like, I feel like my heart's been ripped out, or my heart was smashed, or it was like a punch in the guts. These words all describe physical pain, and that's for good reason. A study from the US got 10 heartbroken women and five sad men who were still in love with their exes and put them in MRI machines. They checked out their brain waves whilst getting them to reminisce about and look at photos of the person who broke their heart. Which sounds kind of like torture, but also slightly hilarious. The researchers found that our brains treat the emotional pain of heartbreak in the same way that it deals with physical pain. And the study found that the brain activated the same areas that are involved in cocaine addiction. We'll get to the addiction bit in a minute, but take a second, please, to cast your mind back to your own worst ever heartbreak. Can you remember that feeling in your chest, like your beautiful heart was actually rupturing? Taken to the extreme, there's a medical condition called heartbreak syndrome. Its fancy name is Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, the medical name for a syndrome that can be caused by extreme emotional or physical stress. It can cause the left ventricle of the heart to be stunned or paralysed, causing heart attack-like symptoms including strong chest, arm or shoulder pains, shortness of breath, dizziness, loss of consciousness, nausea and vomiting. So you heard it here, it's a scientific fact. Your heart can literally break. The feeling of physical sickness in my stomach. 
It's like the feeling of being on a roller coaster. My stomach twists and turns. It makes me feel sick. Meet Alex. She's a brand new mum of a chubby, squishy baby boy. While she's breastfeeding and dealing with poo and goo-goo-gaga, she's simultaneously deep in the shits of heartbreak. Four days before my son was born, my husband came to me and said that he had an overwhelming feeling that he wanted to flee and that he felt like he was going to ruin my life, which was extremely (laughs) out of character for him because my initial instinct was, have you met someone? All the while he's saying, I don't know what's going on. I just feel like I can't support you properly. And I was like, oh, you know, um, (laughs) this is really the time in my life, if any, that I I really need quite a lot of support. A bit of pre-baby panic is kind of normal, right? So in the midst of packing her hospital bag, Alex was also trying to unpack her husband's odd behaviour. He's there in the room for the traumatic birth of their son. For the next Six weeks, the first six weeks of our son's life, he proceeded to gaslight me about the situation because he definitely made me feel like I was extremely insane and, you know, made me feel quite guilty for even suggesting that he might be cheating on me. No, I'm not cheating on you. I love you. I'll never do that to you. How could you suggest that? But he had been cheating on her with someone from their gym. So he moves out, Alex moves in with her sister, and then the heartbreak slams her. It was like a twist in my heart uh, or like a stake was being driven through it. It was really, it's aching. It aches. So I think at first I was in a lot of shock and I didn't quite feel that. I was in a bit of fight or flight mode. Like, what are my next steps? What am I going to do with myself and my baby? Where are we going to go? So I was really in that survival mode. And those waves of heartbreak symptoms kept rolling in. I have had panic attacks, so real physical crying panic attacks. The crying that was coming out of me was guttural. It was coming from a depth that I didn't even know I had as a human being. It was like this wailing. It sounded like a banshee was in the house just wailing. Do you feel like you're grieving? It definitely feels like grief, yes, because you've lost not just what you had but what you thought you would have. I didn't think that he was capable of this kind of cruelty, so I'm grieving the person that I thought he was for that long and I'm grieving the future that I thought we were going to have together as a new family. The tricky thing about Alex's situation, like many women dealing with heartbreak, is that the distance she probably needs from her ex is impossible to get as she's co-parenting with him. My sister did warn me that just when you feel like things are kind of on the up and you're feeling a bit better, that's when your ex will tend to strike. Whether he deliberately means to wreck Alex over and over again, it's like he has the magical ability to take her back to square one, like hitting refresh on the pain. He sent me a text message with a photo of the nursery that he had set up for our son in his new apartment, which I thought was really nice. And I said, beautiful, thank you so much for doing that. That's great. And then he wrote back, well, credit to my girlfriend. She actually bought the stuff and she set up the nursery. And I was like, how could you think that I would want to hear that the woman you cheated on me with and left me for did that for my son 
it's just not okay. And I really had a panic reaction to that. I actually, my arms were up in front of my face, just shaking and I was crying and shaking and I fell to the floor. I couldn't stand up anymore. I just fell on the ground and was just crying, crying, crying. Like all good friends should, when a mate is heartbroken, we'll be checking in with Alex again a bit later. But for now, I want you to meet Jessie. There was a psychological pain, but the physical pain, I didn't realise that it was that universal. Like Alex, author and podcaster Jessie Stevens is no stranger to the physical and emotional symptoms of heartbreak. Aside from a ragged collection of her own scars, she has spoken to dozens of heartbroken people while researching her book, Heartsick. She learned all about the addict-like brain activities of a heartbreak sufferer. I didn't realise that that sickness, that nausea, the sweating, the like adrenaline, the obsession with your phone, the checking the profiles, wanting to know where they are and playing games with yourself, going, I won't look or I won't message and then faulting. I didn't realise that that wasn't just me. I thought I was a little bit unhinged, but it turns out we're all a bit like that. What was your worst heartbreak? Oh, my worst. There are so many to choose from. (laughs) You know, I'm going to go with my worst was the one that caught me the most by surprise. And that was the end of more of a situationship than an official relationship. Jessie was shook by her immense heartbreak and partly because they'd only been seeing each other for six weeks. I'd allowed the thought to enter my head, which was, I think he might be the one. And then he got back with his ex-girlfriend. The reason why I say it is my worst was my friends hadn't even met him yet. I felt so ridiculous that I would be this hurt and that I'd have a cry over it. And it just really, it was an assault on the ego. And I thought, all the advice I get is to pull up my socks and get back on the apps. But I feel awful about myself. I feel really destroyed by this. And he seemed so perfect otherwise. And it felt like it had ended before it had really begun, which felt so cruel. Can you talk us through that dialogue that does go through your head when someone's dumped you? I think it's definitely you start to try and see yourself through their eyes. And so the I am disgusting, I am not worthy, I am not enough. And because intimacy is often involved, it becomes deeply connected to things like your body and a rejection of your whole self. And when someone knows you better than anyone's ever known you and they got to the very bottom and they've decided, I don't like it, That's as pretty bad as rejection gets because it is a really holistic sense of there's something about you that isn't right, which of course isn't logical. Everyone gets rejected. It's not an actual objective assessment on your worth as a human being. Jessie, what are the unwritten, unspoken rules about heartbreak? You can't call in sick and say someone I was seeing for six weeks just dumped me. You sound pathetic. Um, (laughs) But it's really hurtful. So let's talk about society's approach or society's view of heartbreak. Do you think society respects heartbreak? No, no. And when they don't respect something, they relate it to little girls because little girls are the people they respect the least. So heartbreak is for 
13-year-old girls who have been rejected and there's like a pink broken heart and you write in your journal and you cry because you have too many feelings and you're a bit annoying actually. So I think that's sort of where it still sits. I think that says a lot about our lack of respect of it. Dear Diary, Corey broke up with me and I'm still sad. (laughs) I cried onto my Harry Styles poster and it got soggy. But Misty came in and she licked my face and wagged a tail at me because she could tell I needed a cuddle. But I couldn't tell Mum or Shelley or Tamika about it because they're sick of hearing me complain. (laughs) People sort of go, all right, can you tell me when you're going to be feeling better? Because this is getting a little, you know, I'm a bit over it. Yeah, a bit repetitive. A bit repetitive and you feel a bit stuck. And Mm. can we talk about something else? Mm. Because you're being a real downer right now. (laughs) That is not the way the human brain works. How long is an average period of grieving for heartbreak? It's a really interesting question because I can answer how long I reckon we are given and I think it's honestly about two weeks. I think I I reckon that it is. Your mates will give you two weeks of whinging. People will go, okay, yes, very sad. Maybe if it's a divorce, maybe you get a little longer. But... I can tell you that the actual process is a lot longer than that. And as anyone who has any expertise on grief will tell you, it's also not linear. It's certainly a lot longer than two weeks. It's almost embarrassing to acknowledge how much it has hurt you. Caitlin broke up with her long-term partner a few months ago. And she says that it was hard to impress on her friends just how bad she was feeling. I think, you know, going through something like grief, it makes sense. We can understand it. We can talk about it with each other, I think, more openly. But to say, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend and I'm a mess is really hard to do. And I think my way to deal with it was through humour. So being like, haha, I'm such a cliche, like I'm reading Brene Brown. Um, instead of saying I'm quite vulnerable and like scared by, you know, scared of being alone. After they split, Caitlin found herself compulsively looking at her ex's social media. Checking the last time he was active and like the catastrophizing of like, why isn't he messaging me? You know, is he thinking about me? Should I message him? Can I send a double message? Like if he hasn't replied, I probably shouldn't send a follow-up. And then you'd see pictures and be like, who's that girl? At 28, Caitlin is at an age where many of us are making at least mental plans for our next steps into adulting. I think moving on when you're younger as well is kind of easier too because, you know, everything is happening for the first time you reach your late 20s and you've got all these friends getting married, moving in together. I hate it, but there's that biological clock that kind of, it shouldn't tick in, but I feel like it does. And what if you don't meet your person? When we lose a loved one, we have a funeral to celebrate a life, to meet with family and friends and collectively cry. But when our hearts are pummeled to mush with a meat tenderizer. We're left to scrape it back together, alone. In the absence of a funeral, Caitlin tried to make her own type of ritual. 
but it kind of backfired. I went on a week-long holiday to the Byron hinterlands, which was just such a stupid idea too because I just was with my thoughts in the woods for like a, a week with nothing to do. So I was going on these really long walks, Googling like heartbreak in Spotify to like find heartbreak podcasts. <laughs> Oh, it's such a vivid picture of you, like, sort of trudging through this gorgeous rainforest. Yeah, like this beautiful countryside, and I've just, like, got my headphones in, like, slowly crying. Um, But I think it was also just, like, for me, the physical manifestations of it were really quite awful. Like, you know, not being able to eat, sleeping really poorly, and then just waking up feeling this, like, anxious feeling... So here at Ladies We Need to Talk, we went searching for rituals that are out there that help heal heartbreak and uncovered a toasty little oasis in the ice age of heartbreak. All right, ladies, scooch in closer. I'm gathering you all in. Whether your pain is stinging and fresh or whether it's a dull, remembered ache from yesteryear, put on a tracksuit and your softest uggies because we're about to check ourselves in to the Heartbreak Hotel. Yes, it's a real place. Imagine overstuffed velvet armchairs, a roaring open fire, and views of rolling green hills. But sorry, ladies, it is in the UK. When they get to the heartbreak, it's very much about that physical care. That's extremely important. Counselling psychologist Alice Haddon was deep in the heartbreak of losing her mother when, just like Caitlin, she was looking for a ritual or formal process to deal with her sadness. And Alice knew that if she, as a counselling psychologist, needed more than just an hour-long counselling session every fortnight, then it was likely that other heartbroken women would too. We really wrap these women up, and I think that's special because that doesn't exist anywhere else. Alice likes to think that her Heartbreak Hotel is like an emotional intensive care unit. You know, we're not asking them to come and then put their faces back on 50 minutes later and get out there. We're we're keeping them in their process and supporting them in that for three or four days. Remember how Caitlin really struggled with the addiction to texting and stalking her ex on social media? The Heartbreak Hotel has an answer for that, at least for the time that the women are there. We're taking away all of the usual things that we have to numb or distract ourselves like alcohol and tech. So we we committing to sort of putting our metaphorical arms around them for that time and nothing is too much. You know, we completely take care of them. They, they're absolutely not allowed to clear up plates. What? You know, fill their own hot water bottles. Excuse me? Make anyone tea. You know, we, we're just there in service to them. Amen, sister. And that's a very unusual experience for women, I think. Oh, my God, so unusual. Nobody's ever filled up my hot water bottle, made me a decent cup of tea and cleared away my plates. Not all on the same weekend. No way. We've got a quite intensive group therapy program, which starts on the first evening that they arrive. After that first night, the women aren't allowed to speak of the ex again for the rest of the weekend. I love that. 
we do all sorts of things. We do some yoga for the women to reconnect to their bodies. We go out walking on the hills and we sit by fires and we get women to tell their stories. And then, you know, we, we look back at their attachment styles and how that might have influenced how they relate to people. And I think women particularly don't check in with themselves very often about who they are and what what's important. And they're too busy focusing on what's important to other people and me included so we take that really seriously and actually although it's a you know we get we help people get through betrayal we're actually our deeper mission is to help women to reconnect with themselves and to find a place of real integrity around that and strength Alice can you tell us how do the women who come to the Heartbreak Hotel retreats feel when you see them arriving they feel angry they feel confused distrustful Some of them feel hopeless, they feel shame, they feel humiliated. A lot of them are feeling trapped in a loop of obsessive rumination about what's happened. So that's one of the things we tackle first. And then we see them change over the weekend and their body starts to kind of loosen up and they start to kind of come into their face and they start to put their arms back. And, you know, it's lovely to see. So I guess that's a sort of an unfurling of themselves as they start to reconnect with who they are now as a result of the heartbreak. So if we can't make it to the real Heartbreak Hotel, how can we create our own little Heartbreak Hotel? What are the ways we can start to care for our broken hearts ourselves? First, give yourself permission to be in pain because it can't be in other way. So anyone that's telling you to boot up and get on with it, don't listen. You know, you can still get on with your life, but don't be afraid to feel the pain because the, the more you avoid it, the more powerful it becomes. And then I think reach out to the people that you trust and let them know how you're feeling. Let them take care of you. Women aren't good at doing that, are they? They're not. They're so good at caring for others, but they they don't so much accept the care. And if you have difficulty accepting the care, then you just imagine that it's such a it's such a nice thing when someone asks you for help. You feel special and you feel valued. That's the same thing you give to someone else if you ask or receive their help. So don't be afraid to do that. Unsurprisingly, Alice recommends moving your body. Get out and walk because that movement of the left, right, left, right, right, while you're feeling the pain is actually very good for the processing of it. So Caitlin, who we spoke to earlier and who was miserably trudging through the rainforest, she actually wasn't that far off. Alice says you have to train your brain slowly to stop thinking about them all the time. If you're getting stuck in those sort of obsessive ruminations about like, why did they do it? When did they do it? Why didn't I see it coming? You know, when when can I, when am I going to get my revenge? Then whilst that's um, your brain's natural way of trying to make sense of it, it's not actually that helpful for you because it it just keeps you trapped in a really, really exhausting loop. So if that's going on, then I would recommend trying to, if you have to do it, set aside some time to do it. But the rest of the time, just recognise you're doing it and try and get on with something else, distract yourself or refocus your attention. Dear diary, okay, okay, no more talking about what's his face. Tamika and I got our belly buttons pierced today and both learnt a new swear word in Chinese. I've decided to tell the coach that I want to be goal attack in netball and mum agreed to get Lizzo tickets if we're good. Yeah, she did! I love these ideas. 
Learn how to stop ruminating. In other words, break that addiction and reconnect with your core values, who you are as a person, where your integrity lies, and remember what lights you up. Heartbreak can be a humbling learning experience. Alex, the woman whose ex left her alone with her newborn, has really surprised herself by finding her power. I've learnt that I can do a lot more than I thought I could. I never thought that I would be able to be a single mum. Alex has stopped doing the things that he liked doing and is focusing on the stuff that she loves. Just be able to be here, standing tall today, being proud of how far I've come and having a baby to look after 24-7 is incredibly grounding. You don't have a choice but to get out of bed every single day. And I think better now than waking up in 20 years and thinking, who did I marry and why am I so miserable? (laughs) Caitlin's starting to really thrive in her late 20s single life. I enjoy myself now by myself. I, for so long, have hated being alone. And, you know, I like spending nights just making a nice meal for myself, you know, listening to podcasts. I enjoy being alone. And that is something I've never had before. Yes, self-care isn't having a wank and gorging on a packet of barbecue shapes. I mean, if you do it if you want to, but it's about connecting with yourself and loving having your own time and valuing your own company. And Caitlin says, if you need help, ask for it. You shouldn't be afraid to be open around your friends and be vulnerable and admit your loneliness Mm. um, because you can't get through life by yourself. Heartsick author Jessie Stevens reckons that there is a real value in having your heart broken. She says that people who have been wrecked by love are the best kind of people. Firstly, they are of such use to others when they are going through hell. You can tell by the look in someone's eye whether (laughs) they've been heartbroken or whether they're going, I don't get it. But they also have a depth of experience. They speak that language and they know what it is to feel all those revolting things and to build yourself back up. And that is a strengthening, resilient, creating human experience. Hey, ladies, can you fill up my hot water bottle and bring me a blankie? I'm just going to write in my diary. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Gundungurra and Gadigal peoples. Ladies We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Hannah Achelis. Supervising producer is Alex Lolbach. And our executive producer is Kyla Slavin. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. I've got a visitor here in the Ladies We Need to Talk studio to help heal our broken hearts, the wonderful Faz Edraki, host of the ABC podcast, Days Like These. Welcome. Hey, Yumi. Oh, it's so nice to see you. So just before we get into talking about your potty, I wanted to talk about heartbreak. Do you remember your worst ever one? I actually had my wisdom teeth out, (laughs) (laughs) all four of them. Oh, no. Uh, the week after, I think. Yeah. So I just had a lot of time to think about what happened because I went to hospital for it and I just spent a lot of time at home afterwards with like these big, puffy, swollen cheeks. I bet. Feeling really, really (laughs) 
Miserable. Really miserable. Really mi- and really unattractive. Really unattractive. Oh, it's such a look, isn't it, when you've had four oh. teeth extracted. And how did you survive it? Like, do you remember coming out the other side? Do you know what? In a weird way, going to hospital helped. I remember just thinking, lying down there on the hospital bed, like before, you know, because I had to go under to get all four teeth out. I just remember just thinking... I'm just really being taken care of. How nice is a homemade meal, even if it's mushy food that you can only (laughs) have through a straw? So, Faz, just to interpret for our ladies' listeners, a general anaesthetic will help you through (laughs) your heartbreak. All right, so now let's talk about your podcast, Days Like These. It's full of great Australian stories that will fill up your bucket if you're a bit drained. Some of our ladies' listeners might not have heard Days Like These before the potty, so can you tell us what it's all about? It's wonderful first-person stories from people about the day in their life where everything changed. And so we have lots of unexpected meetings, lots of chance encounters, secrets revealed. It's just an antidote to the everyday gloom and doom, I think. (laughs) Faz, thanks for coming in. You can find Days Like These, which is Faz's podcast, on the ABC Listen app. And trust me, you're going to want to get more of this into your ears.